And most of y'all are sitting together, and so that means it's going to be trouble in this section right over here. I'm going to watch you, Justin. All right, now I'm going to give y'all time to find this book of the Bible. Turn to Genesis <laughs> chapter 4. So, uh, you know, we're at different places. Genesis chapter 4. I was at one church preaching, and I said, turn to Genesis. And this one uh, man did not find it till I hit my conclusion. And so I was like, wow, okay. Yes, they don't do too much Bible preaching in this church. What did I say? What did I say? What, what? I hear. Okay. You've been having a lot of jokes today. I'm going to get you. Well, today is the big day. Oh, yeah. T- today is a special day. Very special day today. You, you, you know what today is. Today is the day that Willie Nelson settled up with the IRS in 1992 to pay his taxes. That's what today is. Yeah, it's a special day, especially for Willie Nelson. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know. Today is Super Bowl Sunday. And we have uh, the top-rated offense versus the number-one-rated defense. The Denver Broncos versus the Seattle Seahawks. And as you can tell, you can see where I'm rolling. I am rolling with the Seattle Seahawks, namely with my man Sherman Smith, who played for the Seahawks back in the day and who was coaching them. Uh, got up and prayed an extra special prayer for him this morning. I'd love to see my man get a Super Bowl ring. Um, such a humble servant, such a good man. Um, I have talked to him about what he's going to do when he retires. Uh, he doesn't know if he's going to coach another year or so. He may do like Ray Lewis did last year, win the Super Bowl and then retire. Uh, But I did talk to him because they do love Tennessee. He and Sharon love Strong Tower Bible Church. And wow, wouldn't it be great if they came back here and maybe I had him work with the men's ministry? Oh, wouldn't that be good? So let's keep those prayers going. Get Big Sherm up in here with the brothers. Oh, we will be tight and right up in here. But it's the Broncos versus the Seattle Seahawks. And as great a man as Sherman is, he won't be on the field today. But he'll be coaching Marshawn Lynch, who will be on the field today, because there's going to be a lot of collisions today. Um, There are going to be men fighting and trying to get this ring, trying to get this championship. There's going to be a battle going on. Some people may even have bones broken today. Noses may be bloodied today. People are going to fight today because this is what every kid who's played football, they long to play on this particular stage, on this particular moment. So they're going to leave it all out on that field as they go against one another. And as I think about the Super Bowl and how two teams will be in combat and conflict, It reminds me that life is a constant set of battles and conflict. Um, The Broncos versus the Seahawks. And in life, we have moments where we are fighting or we are versus something or someone. Uh, For example, America uh, is versus Afghanistan. Israel versus the Palestinians. Democrats versus Republicans. Baptists versus Pentecostals. And, and again, God has a great sense of humor because he put a Baptist and a Pentecostal together in the Dyson home, but they've learned how to fight fair over the years. And then we even break it down with Burger King versus McDonald's and Coke versus Pepsi. Everywhere we look, there's a fight. Somebody is challenging someone else. And when I look in the Bible, there are a lot of fights and battles. 
we have uh, David versus Goliath, the Israelites versus the Canaanites, Gideon versus the Midianites, Peter versus Paul, the angel Michael versus the angel uh, Satan. And what we're going to do for the next several weeks is we're going to look at some of these battles, some of these fights in Scripture. And I'm calling this series Verses. Not with an E, V-E-R-S-E-S, but V-E-R-S-U-S, because God wants all of us to know where we stand in him. With every battle, with every fight, he wants us to know what he has for us. So we're going to, over the next several weeks, look at several topics, such as blessing versus cursing. We're going to look at rich versus poor, law versus grace. The flesh versus the spirit. Prejudice versus racism. Divorce for no reason versus divorce for any reason. Love versus lust. We'll look at the King James Version versus modern translations. We'll look at baptismal regeneration versus baptismal identification. Oh, it's about to get deep. We're going to look at tongues versus prophecy. We're going to look at the church versus the gates of hell, creation versus evolution, heaven versus hell, living versus dying, and even faith versus reason. Uh, So we're going to spend some time looking at verses in the Bible. But today, let's get it kicked off with something that we may be very familiar with, and that's a Bible story where Cain went against his brother Abel. So today is Cain versus Abel, a battle between brothers. So before you turn me out and say, man, I know this story, oh boy. No, you need to hang with me because there are some twists and turns There are some things that we're going to see today with the help of the Holy Spirit that I pray will bring great encouragement to all of our lives. So let's start in chapter 4, verse 1. The Bible says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. And she said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. Verse 5. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, And killed him. So today I want to try to answer the question why did Cain kill his brother Abel? Why did Cain kill his brother Abel? That's a deep question. Now, when people think of this narrative, 
when they think of this story, other questions tend to pop up. Uh, For instance, some people say, now, okay, uh, why did Cain kill Abel? But I have another question. Where in the world did Cain get his wife from? I know you've heard that in all the little Bible trivia class. Where, Where did he get his wife from? Then another question is, what mark did God place on Cain? So when you read that scripture, you see that God put a mark on him. And so people want to know the answers to those questions. Now, this sermon isn't to answer those questions specifically, but I can just give you just the basic answer to those two questions. Number one, where did Cain get his wife? He got his wife from the same place I got my wife, from God. Mm -hmm. Pastor, that ain't enough. Okay, he got his wife from the same place I got my wife. My wife is a descendant of Adam and Eve. Cain's wife was a descendant of Adam and Eve. Come on, pastor. You got to give me more than that. Okay, you want me to say it. I'll go ahead and say it. Cain had to have married one of his sisters, just like I married my sister in the Lord many years ago. Mm-hmm. Wait, what's the matter with y'all? y'all? Are y'all rocking with me or what? Y'all just sitting looking at me this morning. What's the matter with y'all? Come on now. Because, you know, where did he get his wife from? Well, you look at that and you go, ew. He married his sister. Now, again, I can't get into because this ain't what this sermon is about. But you've got to know that this was before genetic decay took its full course. Because remember, people live longer during that time in right after the fall. And so their bodies were a little bit uh, in better shape and condition as far as their genes are concerned. But then also, this was before Moses gave the prohibition in the law uh, against incest. So back in that day, God created one family. And Acts 17 says that we all come from one person. So therefore, when Adam and Eve had children, some of them had to intermarry. I know you said, ooh, that's, ooh that, that's nasty. But again, let's go back and think this was before gene decay and before the law. But let's also think about this real quick. I, I like chasing these rabbits sometimes, so I got to get back on the track. But this rabbit got some meat on it. Let me go out here on it. Back in the Bible days, people would live for hundreds of years before they had children of their own, implying they would get married. So the Bible does not explicitly say how old Cain was when he got married, but it implies that there were other children, if not hundreds of children of Adam and Eve who already began to fill the earth and even multiply themselves. So, so he married a distant, distant, distant sister of his, all right, ill pastor move on. Uh, what about that mark God put on him? Well, I believe uh, it was some kind of tattoo. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Pastor said I can go get a tattoo. Don't you hear me say that? You better talk with your parents about that. But it was some kind of mark. Again, the Bible is not explicit, but as we apply sound hermeneutics and we look at this text, we can come up with some things that the scriptures imply. Uh, Now, the Mormon church... Uh, that cult once said that the mark that God put on Cain was black skin. Have you ever heard that before? That, 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 that's what they once preached and taught their disciples. But they changed that a little later uh, when they saw they were losing a lot of basketball games in the NCAA and they needed some brothers to join the church. And the thing is, though... <laughs> They wouldn't let those brothers into the priesthood 
because of the curse of black skin. Now, ooh, mm, don't you hate it when racism and prejudice fuels and directs people's understanding of God? But the church can't throw too many stones because we are just as guilty as the cult of Mormonism on stuff like that. But again, let me get off that track. It's a big fat rabbit I could chase all day long. One thing we know that the mark was not black skin. Again, it was some kind of tattoo, some kind of mark, because the, the mark was there to protect Cain from getting killed. <laughs> and we know it wasn't black skin, <laughs> because historically, black skin has gotten a lot of us killed. <laughs> we say that kind of stuff in Strong Tower. Y'all just hang in there. All right, get into the passage, Pastor. All right. <laughs> Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife. Uh, I am in mixed company, but y'all know what no mean. That he knew her. Y'all know what new means. So husbands, get to know your wives. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Get to know him now. Get to know him. And she conceived. Woo! And she bore Cain. Now, this is the first delivery ever on the face of the earth. And God already told Eve, you're going to have pain, and it's going to be multiplied in childbirth. And she's going to give birth with really no help from Adam because what, what does he know? And so she's giving birth pretty much by herself, and that's why she calls this boy Cain, which means acquired. God allowed me to acquire this son. God has helped me through this birthing process. Wow, no midwife, no uh, knock-you-out drugs. She's just giving birth out there. My, my, my. Verse 2. Then she bore again. Now, the Bible doesn't say they were twins. You know, we don't know how long, you know, what was going on. But she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So Abel was a pastor, and Cain was a farmer. Uh, uh, Abel worked with sheep. He was out there as a shepherd. Cain worked the ground as a farmer. Verse 3, and in the process of time, and again, we don't know how long. How long is the process of time? Hundreds of years, perhaps, which gives them, Adam and Eve, more time to accumulate more children because God told them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And so, again, their bodies are nearly perfect, so they're able to have children and recover, have children and recover. So in the process of time, which we don't know how long it was, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. So it's time to bring God an offering. And Cain brings uh, from where he works. He works the ground. That's what he's going to bring. Verse 4, Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So a great question is, why did God accept one offering and reject the other? Why did God accept Abel's offering but reject Cain's? Well, just in a nutshell, with the time that I have, I have to run quickly here. Um, the only way that one can approach God is on his terms. And God had decided what those terms would be even when Adam and Eve had sinned in chapter 3. When they had sinned, Adam and Eve, the first thing they did was sow fig leaves to try to cover their nakedness or their guilt. And so what you see there is the first attempt at religion. Religion is when man tries in his own strength to deal with the guilt and the sin problem that he has. 
And he is trying to reconcile himself with God on his terms. Religion is the work of man's hands. I'm trying to cover my shame with fig leaves. But God in his grace stepped in. And not only did he prophesy that blood would be shed through the seed of a woman, through the Messiah who would come, that he would be bruised. In other words, blood. God then took an animal of some kind, slew it, and covered the nakedness of Adam and Eve. So God put down the religious attempts that they had with fig leaves, and he intervened, and he covered them with animal hide, implying that blood was shed. So God did not kill them on the spot because he accepted a life in exchange for theirs. Blood, blood. So now we come into chapter four and two sons who've been raised by Adam and Eve, they're now bringing an offering to the Lord. And Cain decides he's bringing from the fruit of the ground that he has worked. Abel decides he's bringing to God what God prescribes, and that is blood an animal sacrifice. God accepts Abel's sacrifice because the only way that God will accept us is when we accept the blood. In the Old Testament, people were saved by looking forward to the seed who was to come, but they also had the blood of animals covering their sin until the Messiah would come to take it away once and for all. So people in the Old Testament are saved just the way we are under the new covenant. We are saved by grace through faith in the blood. They were saved by grace in the blood to come, recognized in blood of animals that covered them then. We are saved by grace through faith in the one who came and shed his blood as the lamb of God. And so Abel approached God properly, and not only with just any lamb, but with the best from his flock. And he presented blood to God by faith, the Bible says. Oh, in Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, oh, this is going to have to be two parts. I ain't, I'm not going to get there. I'm not going to get there. Can, can I make it two parts? Can you come back next week on it? All right, I'm going to give you what I got today. Hebrews 11. Because I, I, I need to teach well. I just don't need to preach and try to get through with the sermon. I, I need to walk us through. Because th- these things are essential. Hebrews chapter 11. Turn there if you would. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. The great hall of faith. The Bible says, by faith. Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead still speaks. So do you see it? Abel came to God by faith. Cain came to God by works. Cain came to God, Abel came to God in the manner in which God prescribed, and that is by blood. Cain came to God on his own terms, and because of that, he was rejected. So if you even want to call this message anything, you could call this message uh, 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 righteousness versus works, works-based righteousness. People try to work their way into favor with God. It did not work then, and it does not work now, because what works do... Works calls attention to the person doing the work. Work says, look at the work of my hands. So this man is working the field. He's sweating out there. He's planting seeds. He's digging them up. And so when he brings the offering to God, in essence, is saying, look at the work of my hands. But when Abel brought the lambs or the animals and the blood that God created, he's saying, look at the work of your hands. 
Religion always looks at your hands, but faith looks at God's hands. Religion looks at man, but faith looks at God. And so Cain came in on his own terms because God is going to say later, if you do what is right, you'll be accepted. Your offering is wrong. There is a time to give uh, uh, vegetables and grain offerings from the earth, but not right now. If you do the right thing, which has come to me by faith, by the blood, you will be accepted just like Cain, Abel, was accepted. But I got to go back to verse 4 here. It says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. So righteousness was imputed unto Abel, just as righteousness was imputed unto Abraham, who also married a half-sister, by the way. Uh, The Bible says God testifying of his gifts. In other words, God is saying, that's the right way to come to me, by faith and by blood. mm -hmm, I'm testifying. And then the Bible says, and though it and through it, he being dead still speaks. Abel is dead, but he's still speaking. What's Abel speaking? He's speaking. He's proclaiming. The only way to come to God is by faith through the blood. He's still speaking. When we read Genesis, he's still telling us under the new covenant of grace, the only way to come to God is by faith through the blood. And that's why when we have communion, communion causes us to say, look what the Lord Jesus has done. But those of us who are religious, we keep looking at what we do or what we fail to do. But thank God I'm saved by grace through faith and my eyes are on Jesus and I thank God for his blood that was shed. If you want to start a fight with me, if you want to get into some verses with me, try to roll up on me and say that I'm supposed to be saved by works. Just roll up on me and try that and try to say, well, Jesus isn't enough. His blood on the cross wasn't enough. You got to have some baptism. Me and you're going to get in a fight. Uh, If you roll up on me and you try to add something to the work, like I got to be a member of your church or get baptized in your church, or I got to have some kind of experience in the Holy Spirit like you had, and I got to add that to what what Jesus did by the blood on the cross, oh, we're going to be sideways for a second. Man, Abel still speaks. The gospel, the good news that God reconciles sinners to himself by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the only way we can be made right with God and accepted by him is to accept the blood and to do it by faith. Has anybody accepted the blood of Jesus on their behalf? We're right with God now. We don't work to get saved. It's impossible. We work because we are saved. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm changed. And so we see here uh, in Genesis, as I try to work this thing here to a close, because I I start off by asking the question, why did Cain kill his brother Abel? The Bible says that Cain was very angry and his countenance fell because God did not respect his offering or God did not accept his offering. His religious concoction that called attention to his works and his hands. God says, I'm not going to accept that. And so as a result of not being accepted, his countenance fell. He became very, very angry. And as my man Philip Bailey likes to sing, isn't it funny how the way you feel shows on your face? 
So the way he's feeling is showing on his countenance. He is angry. And there is danger in anger. Mm. Yeah, you got to come back next week. Because anger, there's a righteous anger, but then there's unrighteous anger. Anger, when it's unrighteous, is rooted again in self You know, we're told in the Bible, be angry and not sin. But a lot of times we are sinning when we're angry. Because anger is about me, how I've been affected, how I've been offended. It's about me. And so we have to be careful because James says when you're angry, you cannot produce the righteous life that God requires because the righteous life is a selfless life. It's a life that takes up the cross and denies itself. It's not about me. It's about God. But when I'm angry, guess who it's about? It's about me, how I was done wrong, why I'm mad. And I can't live for God if I'm full of me. I've got to empty me, even the stuff I'm angry about. Oh, boy. Mm, 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 mm. This is, this is real living right here. And then the Bible says in verse 6, So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? Or in other words, if you do the right thing, I will accept you. Come to me by faith and by blood. If you do the right thing. So when you see the word if there, there's a choice. God is sovereign, but he gives us the ability to choose, just as he gave to Adam and Eve, his parents. God is saying, if you do the right thing, because I'm not going to change my word for you. I'm not going to change how people are to relate to me for you. You must change and adjust yourself to me and what I require, and that way you can be right with me. But religious people don't want to follow what God has said. They want to do their own thing. And then it says in verse 7, and if you do not do well, so there's the choice, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. So God is giving him options. If you do the right thing, he'll be blessed because I'll accept you and righteousness will be imputed to you. If you don't do the right thing, sin is ready to pounce on you. But even still, you can rule over it. How could Cain rule over sin by being obedient to what God said, by depending on God and not upon himself. So God laid it out there for him just like he lays it out there for us. If you do the right thing, you'll get accepted. If you don't do the right thing, sin is going to beat you up. You can still master it, but if you don't, it's going to beat you up. Well, what did Cain do when he left church that Sunday in the presence of God. It says in verse 8, Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. What a choice. God laid it out for him. But he resisted and rejected what God said. And he went and not only did his own thing, he became the first murderer ever. And the Bible says in 1 John that Satan influenced him. So there are battles that we have. And and, and let let me cut to the chase and just try my best to say it this way, apart from my notes, because I didn't want to mess stuff up because this runs deep here. The problem that Cain had 
wasn't with Abel, his brother. Him killing his brother was just a symptom of what the real problem was. Abel didn't do anything to Cain. He was minding his own business, worshiping God, and out in the field working. Cain took out his resentment on Abel. Why? Here it is. Cain was really angry with God. And it manifested in how he treated his brother. Let me say it again. Because all of our issues are not first and foremost horizontally. They are first and foremost vertically with God. And the proof that he had an attitude with God is found in verse 9. After he kills his brother, the Bible says, Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel? Your brother. Now, when God asks sinners questions, it's never to learn information. You know, Adam, where are you? God knew where the brother was, hiding behind a pineapple tree. He knew exactly where he was. But God wants sinners to acknowledge where they are, and that is away from God. Disobedient, in need of mercy, in need of grace. So when he asks this sinner this question, he's giving Cain an opportunity to come clean. And when God asks us questions, where are you? How are you doing? He doesn't want us deflecting and pointing at someone else. He doesn't want us blaming. He wants us taking responsibility for where we are. But what does Cain do? He says to God, when God says, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Now, I don't know if you saw what just went down here. I, I was with Lasagna yesterday, and we were talking about the ministry of snatching up children. I don't know if y'all understand. There is a ministry where, where you snatch up your child. If your child say something, you know, our boys are growing up. They start, you know, trying to get a little chest. It's still a bird chest. They're trying to find their little manhood. And every now and then, the boy will step out of line and say something. And I remember one time Dante was trying to assert himself, you know, and he said something to Darina, had a little bass in his voice. I said, oh, no. And I happened to have some boxing gloves at the church at my house that I was using at the church for an illustration. I don't know if y'all remember when I used the boxing. I said, man, put them gloves on because I had two pair and we went out in the backyard and I punched him in his chest. Can the church say amen? Yeah, you came from my wife, but you're about to go to the Lord if you keep, don't you know. That's the ministry of snatching up kids. You got to snatch them up. They look at you talking about what they not going to do. Uh, come on down here and uh, get this. Di- in a minute, in a minute, <laughs> I'm about to be on you in a minute. Get down here. And I shouldn't have to tell you twice because they should fear the ministry of getting snatched up. Oh, yeah, I forgot there's a sermon coming called uh, uh, Spanking versus Time Out. Oh, we, we got that one coming for everybody, too. We got that coming, too. We're going to go into the Bible. I had some people try to tell me spanking don't mean spanking. In the Hebrew language, it means that, no, spanking means spanking. That's what it means. Stop trying to read stuff into the Bible. When Cain lied to God and said, I don't know. God could have snatched him up right there. But God was merciful to him, just like he is to us. 
So I don't know who those people are who say that the God of Old Testament, he's not a God of grace. <laughs> that was grace right there. He could have snatched him up when he lied. He could have just destroyed him in his glory. Just boom, annihilated him. But God is patient with sinners like us. And then Cain not only lies, then he's short with God. Got a smart, sassy mouth. <laughs> Am I my brother's keeper? <laughs> I tell you, your brother's killer. I know that. But smart God is gracious when we go off on him roll our neck at him and roll our eyes at him so his issue was with God and it manifested to in resentment towards his brother but had he and God had a good conversation where he repented of his sin his attitude even before he got to killing his brother, when God says, if you do the right thing, if he would have just repented, Abel would have still been alive. So the primary issue was not Cain versus Abel, but Cain versus God. He didn't want to submit to God's will and God's way. And there are a lot of people who have a problem with other people. But your primary issue isn't with other people. It's really with God. Because if you and God got things straight, he will help you love people who hate you. But when you and God are not right, you will hate people who love you. That's too fast. It went too fast. Because when people can't, you know, they'll curse God when they're mad with them. But they can't actually put their hands on them. And so what they're going to do is they're going to put their hands on people who are made in his image because they're the next best thing. Now, deep down inside, they're not going to say they have a problem with God. They're going to say, man, yeah, I worship God. I love God, but I just can't stand my wife. I just can't stand my husband. I just can't stand my boss. I just can't stand the pastor. I just can't stand. But I love God. There's a dead monkey on the line somewhere. This is why God says, if you're going to make things right with me, you've got to come. You've got to walk humbly with your God. And then you can walk in agreement with your brother or your sister. But you've got to get it right with me. And Cain did not do that. His problem was with God, not with Abel, because all sin is ultimately against God. He took his anger out on Abel that he had against God. I encounter people all the time who are so angry with other people. And they don't know that their anger is a form of poison that is taking them over. There are children who are at odds with their parents. But if they were to dig a little deeper, you're really at odds with God because you're upset with your parents that they told you that you can't have this or you can't go there, so you get mad at them, but really you need to get mad with God. That's who you're really mad at because God put those parents over you and they're to watch for you. So if you don't like how your parents are watching for you, then ultimately you don't like how God put those parents over you. So your problem is with God. I have people who get mad. Why did my grandma die? And they're mad with God over that. And they take it out on other people. There are women who have been abused by men, and they're mad with men. They don't trust men, but they got to really go back to God. 
Because if they dig deeper, what they're saying is, God, why did you let those men hurt me when I was growing up? Yet it plays out in me hating men, not trusting men. But really, my problem is with you because if you had protected me, I wouldn't have been hurt by those men. But that's why we got to go back to God with our anger, with our confusion, with our questions, and recognize that he's a good father even when things go bad. Because when I can reconnect with him, because you have men who hate women. It's not really women you hate. It's God you have a problem with. Because if you get right with God, he will show you why you ought to treat women properly and lovingly and tenderly. So Strong Tower, just hear me this morning on this fragmented message. If you are angry today with people and you don't even know why you're mad, somebody let you down, somebody failed you. It happens. Disappointment in life happens. We disappoint each other. But being seething mad at someone is something totally different. Again, it's dangerous. When the Bible talks about anger in Ephesians 4, it talks about it in the context of Satan, not to give him a foothold. He gets a foothold when anger runs unbridled. That's what happened to Cain. So don't let it master you. You must master it. As a Christian, put anger to death before anger puts you to death. And next thing you know, you're all alone and angry and you're crying out to God for mercy to put a mark on you so that people don't destroy you. He's loving enough to protect you, but he wants to change your spirit in such a way where you can start loving where there was hate. So you dig in this this week. There are three questions I close with. Will you talk to God about the anger and displeasure you have towards him? People are not your primary problem. It's God. There's a brokenness in your relationship with him. And he wants to help you in your relationship with people. Are you willing to be honest with yourself about where you have failed God? Hmm. Cain did the wrong thing. But he did not want to take responsibility for it. So he got mad again at God and his brother. But had he taken responsibility and said, I did it, I was wrong, things would have been a lot different with his brother. But he got the blame game from his mom and dad, just like we do. Don't you know that I make enemies as a pastor? Don't become a pastor to try to get friends. Because sometimes you got to say things. You, a gentle tongue can break a bone. Sometimes you got to speak gently. Sometimes you got to call people out straight up. You got to know when to be a lamb, when to be a lion. And there are times when I confront people, people get mad at me. And Paul said to the Galatians, have I become your enemy because I spoke the truth to you? But when you sign up for this, you got to recognize like God told Ezekiel, now you need to know this prophet. They're not going to listen to you because they're not going to listen to me. They're going to rebel against you because they're rebelling against me. Their ultimate problem, preacher, is not with you. It's with me. You just say what I told you to say and get out of the way. Jesus says, don't marvel that they hate you. They hated me first. Why? Because it's ultimately between us and God. Where are you at here? Because when this is right, this will follow. Final question. Once we reconcile with God, he expects for us to stop mistreating people and start loving people. When there's a problem in my marriage, my problem is not first and foremost or ultimately with my wife. 
It's with me and God. And as he puts me back together and makes me whole and empowers me and forgives me and loves me, then I become a conduit of that grace to my wife. And she can receive and know that he's been with the Lord and the Lord's corrected him before I've ever had to say anything. Or he finally listened to the correction I gave him because he went before the Lord and the Lord put his finger on the very same thing I've been saying to him. So when we are out of whack, we don't stay there long. Why? Because we're first married to Jesus. Which, again, if you bring this thing back around with Cain and Abel, yeah, he married his, one of his sisters. But when we get to heaven, guess what? Won't be no marriage. We're all going to be in the original state of being brothers and sisters. So let me first look at her as my sister in the Lord because that relationship is even more important than her being my wife. So I got to watch how I treat my sister in the Lord, not just when we were dating, but how much more now that she's my wife. She belongs to Jesus. She don't technically belong to me. So it keeps pointing it back up. Is anybody hearing anything I'm saying today? Amen. Amen. All right, it's 1209. Let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. Anybody need to just, for a moment, before we go. Kids got out of here a little late today because of communion, so we're going to give them a minute. But I don't want this seed that just went out from the word to get choked up by the cares of life and let me go home and get the pizza ready and wait, hold on, chill, chill, hold on. Why did Cain kill his brother? Because ultimately he had a problem with God. Why are we struggling with people and relationships? We have trouble forgiving people and moving on and we have resentment. Let's dig deep. It's us and God. Let me go back to him. And he'll give me the capacity, the understanding on how to love my neighbor, how to love my brother, how to love my sister, how to love my children, how to love my parents, how to love my wife, how to love my husband, how to love my pastor, even when he says stuff that make me mad. We're going to sing a little bit. And if anybody want to pray, you pray where you are. But if you want to come and join us at the altar, we're going to just pray for a moment. There may be something. It's okay. We all are in need of grace. Nobody has it all together. Nobody has arrived. So it's okay to be vulnerable in here. No stone throwers in this church. Just people who look to the cornerstone, Jesus. The altar is open. If the Lord is leading you to come and pray, come on and talk to him. If you have an anger, a root of bitterness in you, and you need it to be taken out of you. Come and talk to Jesus about it.